And let's turn off our cameras. I realized yesterday I spent 11, I spent 10 and a half hours on Zoom calls and like 11 and a half or 12 hours on a screen, including the Zoom calls. Wow. And also, uh, my, I, was, I was fried. <laughs> I was fried. I was in bed by 9 30. <laughs> um, so you guys are in like in nature and it's something i've been thinking a lot about like what would it feel like for me to go in nature in maybe a little while like rent a cabin in the woods and still be connected to the internet but be in, in retreat mm -hmm. and I, i'm 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 curious, like, I don't, I don't know if I'd actually like mentally go and retreat because even right now I usually could. My parents have a, a big, beautiful space. There's lots of nature in the neighborhood, but my mind is like, as if I'm still in Manhattan. <laughs> so I have like the yeah, Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. My mom said to me at the week two, she's like, it doesn't seem like you're here. It seems like you're still in New York. And I'm like, that's how I feel. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, I don't know. What's 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 your state of mind? And I'm curious how how nature is supporting that. Hmm. Yeah, for for us, I think early on, like when we were forced to stay at home, like we both recognized pretty quickly that we're we're lucky. We're lucky that we have access to our our space in the backyard, the forest, the trails. And I mean, we, we, we talked about what it would be like to be in a condo still like in Toronto, downtown. And that's made a huge difference. I would imagine, right. Like just having the freedom to just step outside whenever. Um, so as far as like state of mind, I think, I think it's a huge plus, right. We, 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 we don't do anything other than maybe check out a trail nearby. So we might get in the car, bring the dogs and go for a walk. And that's been our extent of our, outdoors time or, or anything that's travel related. Um, we've been used to it because it's, it's our third, actually, I think it's our fourth year now living here. So we're pretty used to this, this type of country living, you know, it took time to adjust, but there wasn't a huge shock from that standpoint, like the reduction of human contact. It's like, Oh yeah, we've gone through periods of, mm. you know, of remote living. Um, but I, I also share a little bit of an itch to, to do something like you said, right? So it's, it's funny, like our home is a bit of a re retreat compared to, you know, city life, but there's something about not so much a cabin, but I think I've been thinking a lot about like a mobile home, <laughs> like a, home a home on home on wheels. Right. So like a trailer or an RV, whatever, you know, you can conjure up in your mind. Like that's something I've like, my imagination keeps going there and I've been entertaining it, right? I've been like doing some research, looking at images, like what is this about me that has this <laughs> impulse to to be to be that flexible, you know? Like our home actually can move. Um, yeah, so I've thrown it out there. I've shared it with Pam, and I, I've told her like, "Hey, would you be down if we if we take you know a couple of weeks and and part of the experiment is we can live anywhere, like at least within like car you know accessibility." And, and still kind of balance our life, like do some work, have, you know, personal time and live out of like a, a house on the wheels. Like, I don't know, that's been one of the fantasies that's, that's been coming up. 
with the dogs or without the dogs? With the dogs. So that's one of the things I'm considering, right? Like what would be a, an appropriate size? Like, you know, that would make sense for, for us to, to cohabit, you know, with, <laughs> with the dogs and not, and not feel too, too trapped either. But there's, there's something about that. I want to kind of keep, you know, going deep and like, what is it that I'm drawn to here? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to explore the dimensions, like what aspects of that is it? Is it mm. the being, having the freedom to move around versus a cabin or like a tiny home where, you know, mm. your, 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 station, um, is it, um, a more minimal living? So is it like the minimalist in you? That's curious. Like I went to my minimal. I think less. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's less of that. It's more, there's like a wanderlust component. There's a part that's like, oh, we could kind of go anywhere, you know, on the whim, like, and, and easily bring our life with us, you know, as we're making that decision. Like, there's a spontaneity to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what it's feeding. And I don't know if I shared with you, like, we're, we're actively trying to, to have a kid. Like, we've been trying for the last few months. And, and so... Some of this fantasy includes like possibly raising a kid, you know, like if this happens in the next year, like this would be a really cool experiment, you know, adventure. Um, so yeah, like I, you know, it's, it, I'm taking it quite seriously. Like it's not just like a day dream. It's like, Oh, what if we were to really try to make that happen? And um, especially just with, with COVID and, and if things are rolling out, reopening slowly, that yeah. kind of makes sense in my mind, you know, as, as like a version of travel that's like in between, you know, we don't have to hop on a plane, go anywhere far. And, but we, we, we could travel like to another province, you know, we could do that. So that might be kind of exciting or. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. I like it for you guys as well. I, I, I've been to Australia a bunch in the last four years and a couple of the trips I took, I like rented a car and played tourist and took like a week or longer off from business and just explored. And there's a type of vehicle called a caravan in Australia. Mm-hmm. Think of like mm-hmm. a van, but that's tall enough for you to stand. Um, but it's not as like even wide as a minivan. It's, it's narrower and it's, it's mm-hmm. a popular thing. And you can live out of a caravan and I, I met a lot of people that have been like living out of their caravan and just literally like driving around the entire country, which takes a long time uh, for, <laughs> yeah. for, for years, for years um, with some of them with kids, like with young kids. And there was something that I admired about it. This, I, I admire definitely the minimalist aspect but they also they're like we're just going to drive and if we like the town we'll stay here and if we don't we'll just keep driving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the connection to rural places like you wouldn't do that in a city in like sydney Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you do it in beach towns and coastal towns and inland and 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 rural places being like self-sufficient too because you you have all your stuff with you and you're not reliant on really anybody except fuel which is i guess really cheap right now <laughs> it's gonna be really cheap for yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think that's part of the appeal like that's one of the things that's really um like 
like the self-sufficiency. I think there's, there's, there's like a deeper thing there. It's like, oh yeah, when, when our traditional systems have failed and we're, we're experiencing that, I think part of me is like, oh, how do I yeah. safe proof, you know, stay anti-fragile? Like it's all of those. Yeah. I think it's some, some of that survival instinct kicking in, but it's also part adventure. So it's like part, you know, like fear based, but also part that, like, Ooh, like let's, let's explore, let's try this out. Um, I, I, I understand it's, it's really, it's also romantic thinking about it, but once, obviously once you do it, you realize like the challenge too, the challenges that come with it. In my, in my second Vipassana course, the, like, you know, when you arrive, you can talk to people and tell the afternoon or evening when it starts. And one of the guys that I met and I was, I was, I was talking with, he was sharing with me that he'd been living out of his van for like four years. <laughs> and I was so intrigued. Like this is as I was in my not buying stuff and minimalism right before I started the houseless experiment where I'd come to stay with you. This is like a few weeks before that. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, I just, you know, got this information and then I went into 10 days of silence. <laughs> so you can imagine how <laughs> like sprouted in my yeah. which influenced like the next year of asking people for a place to stay and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, but he had, he had been like growing his food as well, like seeds, mm. a dashboard of his car and like completely self-sufficient. And, and part of that was like no financial means. So mm-hmm. he was very comfortable with it and he made like peace with it. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote this in my recent post this weekend. I didn't put it as explicit in words. I think I was having a hard time finding the words, but the intention, the intent was that all of our social and societal systems are changing. You touched on that, like education and government and healthcare and travel and economy. Mm. Everything is changing in a very big way. So how could we not change as well in the midst of this? Mm. If everything around us and everything we've known is changing, how could we ourselves not be changing too? Some, yeah, yeah, it's how to bring some awareness to this. Like, like what's coming to mind for me is it's like, look, it's asking the question, like what components can be less and less local, like non-local aspects of life, right? Work or whatever, but still maintaining human connection, you know, especially with people that I want to stay connected with, you know, not just through zoom. <laughs> so that balance will be really tricky. I think, um, and so maybe this like this this fantasy of having a mobile home on wheels is like a seasonal thing, you know. I thought about that too. It's like okay, like that could be just, you know, a seasonal thing through the year. But then there's also like the the static life, you know, the stable home. Um, I also understand like there's a privilege to even having those options, you know, in terms of like lifestyle design. But I can't help but like that's that's where my mind's starting to adapt is like thinking of these ideas and like you know trying them out in, in, in small ways. If you choose to try it out, I would love to go um, live in your place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the woods. I love the cabin. It's, it's, it's a beautiful house in the woods. Um, I've been thinking a lot about like rural living, not just for myself, but like for society. 
with work from home, mm. college workers and real estate prices changing and the massive disparity. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if we're going to see this exodus from city life to rural life. If like, mm-hmm. if, if land values, property values are going to deplete in cities and appreciate over the next couple of years in um, kind of places like where you are, where you're, you're connected to, to mm-hmm. towns and facilities and groceries, but mm-hmm. you're more connected to, to nature. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that feels true to me, you know, like thinking about how much more creative we're going to be in terms of like different ways of living. And that includes yeah, location and, and just naturally, yeah, you're going to have little self-sufficient like hubs that'll just form, you know, maybe in places that were quite remote before will become a little bit more concentrated or at least connected. And, and then the movement between towns, you know, so then it allows for crazy people like me thinking about like, you know, having a home on wheels, you can kind of pass through. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's really telling that you're, you're thinking about that and having a family like in the same breath. Cause yes. Yeah. Uh, I like other friends, like our age starting to plan for family or, or recently have had a child, the opposite. It's like, we're going to move out of a condo and like buy a house. And we're going to like mm-hmm. set, try and set like deeper roots versus like uproot ourselves. Hmm. I mean, I'm with you completely. <laughs> it's interesting um, to think how those two things like coexist. I think they totally can, but it's easy for me to say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like it, it, people certainly do it. Like I've, I've, I've listened to stories of homeschool, you know, families that are really on the move all the time. Um, but I think each, yeah, each, each unit's so different, right? Each family system and, and the people, the kids. And so until that happens, we, you know, can only just imagine. Um, but yeah, again, like I think the seasonal, like my wife basically was, was saying, if you're really serious about it, you can just try it. You can rent a little vehicle and, you know, can do a few weeks and just test that yeah. and, and decide like, maybe maybe we're like that that was the dumbest idea ever we need to go back and just stay stay where we are and get it out of my system right like i think that's it's just worth giving it a shot cool so what what are some other things you were thinking about what are some of the other crazy ideas or experiments either for yourself or for for me (laughs) or for the world (laughs) i've been i've been thinking more and more just about like my my therapy practice so I'm just in the beginning of you know building a practice and suddenly it's it's all virtual right so I, I had an office at one point I gave it up so you know luckily it was it was something I could kind of let go really quickly but now I'm wondering does my practice become more more global like more virtual focused oh. and then that opens beyond the city so that really changes because that that particular job profession has always been very local, right? People kind of seek out a, you know, a therapist, a counselor that's in town and, you know, you travel to them. So I've been thinking, you know, about that probably the most. Um, and what would, what I would lose if it was more virtual and less, you know, in person, because th- there is a loss. I, I can feel the difference, but it, you know, but also there's, there's value. I can still see like 
things are working pretty well too. You know, I can still help people like through the camera and, and a mic and, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think there's a lot, there's a couple of like key moments for me in the last few weeks in this move from in real life to online life. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was I was on a call with a bunch of CEOs of tech companies and wanted to share this idea that like, is in a business context, we've all just focused for the first few weeks of lockdown and trying to replicate what we've done in, in offices and in real life online. And everything is, most things are just slight, like good enough, but they're not like better than they were before. So we have like a bunch of compromises everywhere. So, but what if we think about what are the things we can do that only work in this setting and then dislike from a design perspective? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like Jay stuff with design thinking. Like, think about if you were to design a workplace to be virtual from day one, to be online from day one. Mm-hmm. How would you design the collaboration, the communication, the cadence, the client interactions? And that's mm-hmm. like inspiring because it just creates space. It creates space to be creative <laughs> versus mm-hmm. replicate. That, that was like a key aha. And then the second one was yesterday. I was at this Zoom gathering, I had four of them yesterday. Um, and somebody just said like, like I'm gonna stop using the word virtual. Cause like in a literal sense, virtually means like, it's like virtually this means it's almost this, but not as close or not as good. So by constantly using the word virtual, it's like we're constantly saying this is not as good. Yeah, kind of devalues it right away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been, this is like fresh paint. It's like less than 24 hours. I'm trying to re, trying to change my vocabulary from virtual to online. Mm. And if you combine these two things of you have the space, we have the space to design fresh practices, interactions, experiences, communities, lifestyles, Mm. online first, like mantra, Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. The, so the first point that brought up a lot of stuff for me because I've have, I've had discussions with other therapists about like the biggest challenge I think is for people transitioning in and out of their spaces. So, so in terms of the design aspect, it's like, we also need to do art to help facilitate the other end, the other end of connection to establish their space so that they can transition in and out more more smoothly you know because i think when people walk to an office like to see to see a therapist in this case that walk is the transition there's like a buffer right and even walking out of it leaving it's like it helps them reorganize recloak like get their body mind ready to kind of enter their life again but now it's like it, they take their five steps and go into a living room and and maybe the person they're, they're living with is actually the big trigger in their life like that's that's actually a big shock you know and and it, it feels like it might take away from the work right because there's no safety like as a foundation for healing right they don't feel safe and yeah so i think that's super relevant you know for it doesn't have to be just therapy it's like if if this is some version of a new norm it's like now we have to think about how do we enhance the physical space that we're connecting through virtually but the physical space we can manage you know we can make it more intentional we can design it and and practices like go like do a practice where you 
like a meditation like thing where you get your body mind to to be ready to enter and then to leave you know like there's there's these little in-between transition points Completely. i've been i've been part of the an improv mindfulness group in new york for almost a year now and uh we brought it online and you're welcome to come it'll be fun to have you mm-hmm. Uh, we're just doing it for the last couple of weeks. It's every Thursday at 6 p.m. for an hour and a half. I'm one of the facilitators, with a few others. And the first few weeks, we were just like trying to replicate the offline activities and games. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that, yeah. that thought was shared with me, applied it in improv. And then now we've come up with all these improv games that can only work over Zoom. They cannot work if we're all in a room. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that we let go of some of the the best games, like like kind of the the games we used to do at the end of the improv class because they were so high energy and so interactive, mm-hmm. and we just kept stumbling on trying to do them online. Like they they, they <laughs> kept trying and trying and trying and they just didn't work for like three weeks in a row, and it like it bombed. Mm-hmm. And then we came up with yeah online only improv games, and they've been so much fun. <laughs> Hmm. What's an example? Like, what's a game that you could only do online that you couldn't before? Uh, so the breakout functionality is very powerful. So that allows people to have basically more airtime. Because in person, we might have 15, 20 people in an improv class. And only hmm. one or two people are talking at once. So in the whole night, you might have spent two hours an improv class, but you might have only had like five minutes of time. Breakouts, we put people into breakouts and then now they can do scene work or games or mindfulness slash improv games. Mm. So people get a lot more practice. They get a lot more space. And then we come back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And we came up with a game called Zoom Bombing. (laughs) It's hilarious. Um, Where two people have a conversation on Zoom but they're in a scene. So it could be like, when you establish a relationship, it could be like a priest, you know, and uh, a, somebody who's praying or making a confession. It could be a, a cop and a criminal. Uh, it could be two brothers. It could be a teacher and a student, a doctor, patient. So you establish a relationship, you're having a conversation over Zoom, and then the third person has their camera off. And then at some point in the conversation, they turn their camera on. And then now they just zoom bombed your conversation. You're a three person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're all proud of ourselves for coming up with that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm just thinking of the first thing you said about yesterday, you spent like 11 hours or whatever on a screen like that that also has a toll too, you know, it's like thinking about what are, what are going to be those limits for each person, you know, like the screen time, like it'll become really, yeah. Like you and I, we've talked about like, you know, screen time and the effects of that, but now it's like, it's a necessity, but there's, there's still like a, there's like a health threshold, you know, I feel like there's an actual, like my eyes were starting to hurt yesterday. You know, I had to ask somebody, like you said here, like to just switch to, audio only and i was like oh thank god i, I could just look out the window you know and have to stare at a, a two-dimensional thing for, for a long time i think my eyes were actually getting really fatigued yeah natural light versus blue light 
Uh, I'm looking out because mm-hmm. my sister's bedroom. I can see the the trees just starting to move a little bit in the wind and the sun shining on them and the shadows. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I know you see a lot more trees. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I, I think we're going to see this transition from video to audio. Mm. We went from offline to online and then online from video to audio. <laughs> and then I'll realize our throats hurt because we're talking 10 hours ago. <laughs> At least in the roles that I'm in and the communities that I'm in, I'm talking a lot. Uh, but that's always been the case, if I'm honest. But I also had travel time and times where I didn't have to talk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm curious as to, like, when you think of therapy and services that you want to provide to help people, because you're, you're new into it, mm-hmm. I think that's so awesome. Because that means you don't have really the baggage and legacy of this is how we used to do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. You know, I, I remember hearing the discussions, like it was such a hard shift to go for, for some practitioners to go, you know, fully virtual suddenly. And I had just started. So I was like, okay, it was just like another new thing to kind of try. And it didn't take long. I think most people like within a week, it, you know, they got the hang of it, but yeah, I think imagining new ways of, of doing service work and and we're lucky that we don't necessarily require like if you're a massage therapist it's like 100 you can't do that <laughs> um so there's still components that we can carry over to to this medium yeah now the, the the thing i was trying to you know start to consider is the physical like because there were things you know certain exercises that really help if we're you know two people in the same room and we're doing like a physical movement for example and and that's part of the therapeutic work it just becomes harder, you know, like I, even, even the desk I choose, it's like, I feel a little bit more cramped. I'm less likely to suggest let's stand up and do something on our feet. And so, I'm, you know, thinking about like furniture, like the actual room itself, you know, if I was going to prepare um, like a therapeutic office, that's from, from the bottom up, start thinking about what it would look like to, to do this long-term. I think, yeah, like all of those questions become important. Yeah. I mean, like if we expand, I think this has applications in therapy, but also beyond and and around technology as well. I, especially in lockdown where the common is like the days and nights and the weekdays and we, everything's blending together. (laughs) Um, Mm. It is for our minds, but for our bodies, like I'm curious how to use technology to around the quantified self movement to understand heart rate variability, understand like dilation in our pupils, understand temperature, body temperature, understand like muscle tension, um, all other physiological signals we can, we can gather through technology, like in a passive way yeah yeah and imagine that now building what you're doing like imagine that goes to your therapist (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's not about well okay once a week we're going to get on a zoom call for an hour what if it's actually like there's there's data there's some real-time aspect to it there's 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 multiple signals and 
like the the time that you get to spend maybe it's not like scheduled in those battles but like maybe it's rethinking that maybe there's an asynchronous aspect to it versus it being only synchronous mm -hmm. right maybe there's mm -hmm. a, a video aspect to it or maybe there's like smaller check-ins versus the bigger stuff maybe some of it is like aided to be like tools so it's like self check-ins and self-awareness yeah 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 that's yeah that makes sense to me i i thought about that last week the, it's like the in-between sessions you know if i see this person once a month can there be stuff that like the first one pop into mind is like a guided practice you know i can I can pull like a 10 minute guide to practice movement or still like it doesn't matter. And then have like a, like a reflection question. And that's, that's totally synchronous. They can do that on their own time. And, but the difference is there's, there's a commitment to check in. It's like at some point I'll check in and, and see the work and offer input and feedback. And yeah. But yeah, that also frees up time, you know, as a practitioner, like, you know, that's wonderful. Like it can empower, you know, people to, to do self-practice home practice but still have the coaching element. I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah. You know, all the online education software is all free right now. Maybe you should, uh, maybe you should go get some of it as like a teacher. Mm -hmm. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it's actually like original like classroom stuff, but I, I haven't used it myself, but I imagine there's that accountability loop of like, so you can imagine like you take one of these pieces of software, like EdTech is growing very fast right now. And each of your clients really becomes a student <laughs> and then mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the software. And then each week they've got a couple of like homework assignments. Yeah. It could be like yeah, exactly. essays. It could be like I meditated today or, or whatever assignments you like co-design with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. I think that's, again, it just forces, us to think outside the traditional like okay yeah this is how we do because we've always done it that way and yeah and and, and also you know i think i think that the therapeutic thing would be would be interesting because there's a tendency that it can become dependent so this is like you're breaking that dependency you know so there there is that empowerment element and you know and, and but it's like it, yeah i think what did you call it it's the accountability loop i think that's so big you know because part of I think the power of it is it is there is the accountability especially when people are going in on a regular basis and so it's merging yeah I guess those two things like the online learning you know elements with you know the traditional one-to-one -one counseling I don't I don't know and I know you did the three-year program I don't know what the attitude of a therapist is with the client in terms of longevity of the relationship um, mm. Like I know I had like an acupuncture, I should say maybe hat in New York. And when I had my back mm. spasms like even half ago, I saw her like every week or every other week for a few months. But like probably for the second appointment, she's like, she said to me, she's like, my, my goal is so that you don't have to come back. And I, I found that odd, maybe because I'm a business person. Uh, and I, I, I went back to her like a few months ago. Um, most folks, I was just curious. And she's like, she's like, great. I thought she was going to say like, you can come back in a few weeks. She's like, why don't you come back in a few months? She's running a business. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Massage therapists or other practitioners in that field would say like, I want you to come back every week. 
And there's a part of me that's like, do I need to, or you want me to? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's as well something to, to bring into, into like practice is like, I know I've been successful when you don't actually rely on me. And you've built the systems yeah. or tools or practices, and maybe I've given you technology or some light guidance and structure and support. You don't actually need me. Yeah, I think I think that's a really nice, like that sh- that you know, at at the deepest level, it should be the incentive, right, to just liberate people, you know, fully. Um, but what that looks like for each person is going to be really different. So I think that's the hard part. You know, there's, there is such an individual, you know, for some folks, like the pacing and the duration may require what, something that is longer than someone else where three sessions, that was it. And that really was all that was needed for them in that moment. And um, yeah, it's hard to, yeah, I guess it's hard to kind of, you know, give, give it like a general response because I'm imagining two ends of the spectrum, you know, in terms of actual people. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. Like if, if, if you're practicing, like as a practitioner, not considering that, like that, that can be a huge blind spot, right? Like you're, you don't realize that you're, you're incentivized to, to keep lifelong clients, right. Yeah. And, and, and not, and not realizing that all your decisions are actually creating that, you know, and limiting them, like blocking their liberation. Like that's, you know, there's like ethical issues, obviously, if, if it's conscious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was working as I work, I'm not like a nutritionist, doctor, chiropractor, I don't know what he was uh, in New York. It's super expensive. I saw him once and I could tell like he was selling me. <laughs> and he's like, why don't you come yeah, back? Next yeah. week? I did not go back next week. <laughs> <laughs> the shyster yeah <laughs> yeah no i think that's that's so valid right like i think a lot of people kind of just have a sense you know if you will and just yeah i think that's good you trusted whatever signals you were getting yeah. like i'm i'm in business i've been selling my software for like ten, like I, I it takes one to know one I sh- i'll say i'll admit <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my software is recurring software you need it you have to pay for you pay me yeah. to- so I understand that. Um, but I, I wonder if it's like, um, like imagine a, a pricing model that was more like insurance, which is like you're paying for it, you have access to it. If you end up using it more and more, your premiums will go up. If you use it less and less, your premiums will go down. Uh, but there's an incentive yeah. to like, to support you in the most efficient way possible for you right? And for the provider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the complete opposite of the therapy model today, which is to bill for time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. Like session three would be very different from session 300, you know, and, and, and in terms of um, like the exchange. Mm-hmm. And so if, yeah, what if, what if, yeah, when you get to 300, it's like, it's actually not a not as much money. So then you're not incentivized to continue, you know, that long, long to the extreme and, and figuring out what those, what the balance points are. Yeah. Like if, and if it was mirrored with like some tech infrastructure or self-guided practices or even community practices, you could see like a Netflix model or you're paying, you know, 20 bucks a month, whatever it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
$50 a month and like you have access to this. Um, I guess that's not purely the insurance model where there's flexibility and the rates go up and down. But maybe the idea here is to be, to, to, to reinvent or rethink the model around what are we actually, what are, we, what are you trying to actually you know, achieve for your, for your clients, for your patients? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like one of the coolest experiences was when we were doing our internship, like in school, it was pay what you can model. So that was forced upon us because we were under you know, the control of the clinic. And in a way that made it just kind of a, a neat experience of like working that through individually with each person. Right. Yeah. So then having that conversation, you know, um, where, yeah, you're, you're inviting them to say, Hey, like, this is, this is how we operate. And, and I could see the discomfort that's such an unusual place. Usually we're not handed that offer. Like, Hey, let's tell me what, you know, what would work, what would be fair. And, and yeah, like, especially when it comes around, I think, money and, and these transactions like it's sort of a taboo you know and didn't, didn't could, it, we go to that restaurant again? together didn't we go to that restaurant together a few years ago yeah 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 hey what you want restaurant <laughs> that was so awkward for both of us right we didn't it, know it's a happened. weird it, especially if there's no guidance you know like yeah it would be helpful i think it's it's just because it's so unfamiliar and so you're like oh i don't want to i don't want to come off like too cheap here, or, but I don't want to overpay. It's like, what's, what's a good guidance? A lot of the, the whole point I think behind that. Sorry, I was just losing you there. What, what, what would you last say? It's like our, our values and beliefs shine really clearly. Like, you know, like, like, yes, like, yes. like how do I come off? It's like, okay, now I'm worried about what people think of me. That's I right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like, I like the Vipassana structure, right? Which was, um, you know, 10 day silent meditation course. You don't pay anything at the end of the course, mm -hmm. you're invited to make a donation so that other people can do the course in the future. Right. Not right. Your yeah. course and your experience and not valuing your experience. You're more hmm. of a choice if you'd like to support basically the facilities so that other people could have their own experience. So it's a pay it forward model. Mm. I, that's I, so cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's so cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm just thinking what that would feel like as a consumer. Like if I go see my massage therapist and then knowing that at the end, it's like, okay, yeah, like make a donation, but it's for the next guy. Yeah. So part of it, it's like there's no judgment. I don't know who that next guy is. And so it really just comes out of this like, kind of this gifting kind of mentality, right? It's like, oh, okay, yeah, if I can just give like an honest pay it forward, you know, amount. And yeah, and it's not, it's not for you. Like you're not paying, someone paid for yours. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that, that's actually a key piece. It's like, mm. you're here because somebody else paid for this. That's right, yeah. Hmm. I don't know, man, I think you should try it. Like therapy. <laughs> With the not pay what you can model, but you're a pay like pay it forward model. Pay the next person. Yeah. Wow. That'd be crazy. We call it an experiment. I mean, you and I are both baking mm. through experiments, intellectual or experimental. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I yeah, haven't I like that. Dived into all the online therapy 
you know, stuff. And I know as part of like my mind tech initiative over the last couple of years, I've got a lot of names mm -hmm. on my spreadsheet and logos on websites. Like, so I, I know that they exist and I know there's a lot of them that exist. Mm -hmm. Some have really hit mass scale in the U S and others are more niche. Mm -hmm. did, I guess two thoughts. One, like in your course, did you guys talk about it? Was there a positive, neutral, negative attitude towards it? And then B, like personally, have you done like the tour of online therapy products and services? Yeah. Um, so the school like next to nothing, like it was very little. Yeah, there was, there was not a lot of consideration about how this is integrated to modern technology. It was like, it was modality focused, like the skill, the competencies, all of that. And um, personally, haven't explored like as a consumer I haven't tried it I, I've looked to like signing up like what it would require to sign on to be you know one of the like the professionals mm. um, I'm not I'm not too familiar with with how you know like the the incentive structures are um, what I don't like is the the feature that's where you can text your therapist I think there's a danger to that like we, we you know we sort of look at some of it as like safety liability um, when that becomes kind of normalized where you, you provide intervention, you know, over text, I think there's some danger, especially when, when some cases are quite, quite sensitive. And um, I don't know what that looks like. I haven't used it, but what if someone leaves, you know, like a, a text with something quite serious and, and yeah, I don't know what would get lost through, you know, the technology side um, or having the therapist always be on like having to check, you know, constantly to make sure that there's no SOS is coming, you know, um, just from, a from the therapy side, it's like, Ooh, that I wouldn't want that headache. Like that would be a turnoff, right. To, to join the platform or the service. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, as a, I'm, I'm really enjoying our con like this conversation on, on going deep on one thing. I mean, we, we generally yeah. operate at a frequency of deep, both you and I, when we're together, especially, mm. um, <laughs> bounce around. I'm, I'm just like, I just had this thought. It's like, it's actually nice to, it's like intellectually like pleasurable for, for me. <laughs> or like, you know, deep with somebody else that can go deep on like one topic and then explore hmm. all the dimensions to it. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a projection of like the bouncing around between different topics that's happening in my life right now <laughs> or my days. <laughs> yeah what, what has it been like for you what's what's your what's your work experience these days i haven't really talked to you much about that yeah uh it's been challenging um the business is fine the team is fine the clients are fine we're doing well but for me i guess in terms of my own identity and i i've been super reactive which maybe is what the situation calls for and super short-term mm -hmm. practical, which is maybe what the situation calls for. And it's fine. Like I know how to manage things and deal with it. Uh, but I don't, I don't like, I'm not getting a satisfaction in terms of my leadership identity <laughs> mm. and not feeling like the, that satisfaction, that, that feedback loop, that, that sense of accomplishment, even though I'm working really hard. 
harder than I was. What is, what is the identity? What's the identity that's coming up that it feels like, you know, you're embodying currently. Kind of like playing by somebody else's rule book or playbook versus creating my own, which is why I'm an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I like, I understand it intellectually. That's why I'm doing it. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of space to be creative in work. Mm-hmm. Like the opposite. And like entrepreneur comes from the French word entreprendre, which is like to create. And like Bob's an artist, as you know, and Kaniga's an artist. Like there's like this like creative, I like to write, like there's this yeah. creative muscle in me. And I don't, I haven't been flexing that at all. I've been like in spreadsheets and finance and cash management and like prayer. Mm-hmm. I feel like a military general versus an artist. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and it's fine. I've been doing this long enough. I know how to you know, run the equivalent of the military and, and the business. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why I've been writing so much. You know, that's a creative outlet. Hmm. But, yeah, so that, that, that part's been challenging. And then I'd say the other part is I'm, I'm having a tough time relaxing. Mm-hmm. And even... It's not that I'm always working, I'm working a lot, but I'm, I'm always doing something. <laughs> whether that's a mindfulness practice, whether that's hanging out with my parents or calling Kanika or reading the paper or reading a book. Or going on, like there's always, there's, there's, there's activity constantly. And I think that's, I don't place blame outside. I think that's actually coming from within me of, this constant habit or uh, pressure or expectation, I should say, to be doing something all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, when, when, do you, when do you notice that? So is that coming up when you do have moments of nothing to do and then you feel it or, or is it in the background? Man, is it always kind of there? You can feel it. Because my parents do a lot of nothing, and then I see them <laughs> doing nothing, and I'm like, "How do they manage to do that? I can't do it." It's, it's that's my parents, because they're, they're just by them being themselves, that reflects back to me. Like, whoa, um, I can't stop doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's such a strong. You mentioned military, like that's what's coming up for me. Is like there's there's this flavor of like war conditions, even though it's not like an actual, you know, between country war. And I've talked to my therapist about this and how unconsciously they may, that may be triggering a lot of dormant, like war related, like scripts, you know, like deep, deep, you know, conditioning that may be inherited possibly, you know, cause we didn't live through in our lifetime. Um, but traumas, right. Traumas have a way of also passing through generation and that a feeling of, okay, we got to, we got to flee like the fight flight, right? We got to mobilize to resist or to run away. It's like, it's a very real thing. And maybe part of that is, is active. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. So that's why when, when my therapist raised it up, I was like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't consider that layer, you know, that level of what may be happening for our experiences. And for me, it was, it was freezing. It wasn't so much the fight flight. It's the freeze response. I was really numb for one of the weeks i think week three or four uh, now i'm in terms of like i couldn't feel much like even though i would do practices to to 
you know, sense my sensations, I couldn't access them as much. It was different. And then my motivation was like, like super depleted that week. I didn't feel like doing anything. You know, it was like, it was like, it was like a, it was like a depressed state, you know, and it lasted about five days. And that was when my therapist threw this out there. She's like, you know, you, you may want to consider like one of the things that's happening is that what's happening in the world right now is, is activating these dormant, maybe genetic, whatever the mechanism is, these sort of war conditions. And some people fight flight, they go into that active, you know, nervous system state. And some people freeze, which is another like reaction to, to traumatic experience. And it's almost like the moment she said it, something already shifted. As soon as she brought, brought that into my awareness, it's like, oh, like something started to kind of tingle or whatever in my body. And I, and I explored, I, I looked into, um, for me, what was helpful was to explore my grandparents, like their experience of war. And, and some of it I had to research, some of it I talked to my mom about it. And that was healing. That was actually like part of the healing work is talking about these things that were forgotten. And, and yeah, like I started to even meditate thinking about my, my grandfather in particular, cause he was, he was in Hong Kong and he got, he got um, kidnapped by the Japanese at the time. So that, that we knew about, that was something that was kind of, you know, it happened to him. And then the, the family always carried that story and he was tortured, had his teeth pulled out. Like it was pretty horrific. And that's just two generations away, you know, and, and it, it didn't come back into my memory until that week in therapy. And then I thought about my grandfather and I was like, oh, dang, like there's this whole like, you know, unresolved trauma that, that may be passed down, you know, like I think there's some, some evidence that's shown that intergenerational trauma is like a thing, you know, there's a real thing there. And like I said, there weren't too many places I saw that, that conversation happening. And, and so the moment you're, you're describing your, you know, difficulty being still, that may be one thing to, to, to throw in there, you know, in terms of sense making, like what, what's happening. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, uh, I definitely feel that I've been, my, my sympathetic nervous system, fight, flight, freeze response system has been uh, more active than it normally is. Mm-hmm. I'm, and then my parasympathetic nervous system, rest, digest, when it when it comes it comes so strong that i like it's overcompensating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay, opinion of this but i've noticed like after meals i find myself so fatigued that i actually do need to like lie down for a five or ten minute mm-hmm. period whether i fall asleep take a power nap or lie down um like it's the afternoon, I've already actually taken two of these like mini naps today and I slept eight hours last night mm-hmm. and breakfast was a smoothie and a bunch of salad and soup. So like, uh, um, gluten free and vegan and vegetarian, like it's no carbs, uh, low carbs, um, very healthy, very clean diet, uh, sleeping a good amount of time. And the moment like my body gets the you know hint of okay parasympathetic nervous system rest digest it just like takes over <laughs> mm-hmm. very strongly uh, and i woke up this morning i could you know whether it's true or not through yoga training i you know learned to pay attention to breathing patterns through the nostrils to try and use it as a signal to understand mm. is uh sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system activated like left side parasympathetic nervous system right side sympathetic and you know, after a lot of 
yoga over the years and yoga classes, I'll, I'll see like air is flowing, you know, smoothly through both nostrils, which is could be interpreted as a signal of balance between the nervous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and then like at night, like my left nostril wide open, right nostril completely blocked, which is saying like parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system is like screaming. Um, but then in the morning, it's like I woke up this morning at like six, sympathetic nervous system like completely open, left side nostrils completely shut. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting down and meditating, right? And journaling, but it's like, I'm in a flight, a flight state right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it, you know? Like you're, it's like even when the environment is safe, it's like the body still hasn't actually processed it you know and and that yeah that disconnect or, or the mismatch like inside and outside condition mm. i was thinking about deep rest that was something that um one of my walks this week with my wife i was i was like oh i think i don't know where this where i heard this but somebody talked about depression think it thinking of it as deep rest like rather than a disease it's like perhaps like in some cases it's like oh, this backlog of like not, not having enough rest so they actually have no choice. Like they no longer can control it, which is why they're, you know, they think it's a disease, a pathology, but really it's the system saying, Hey, we need you to be out for like three months <laughs> or a year. And, and that deep rest may, may be required. You know, in that case, it's like they have no choice because they've, they've done everything they can to resist it. Right. With their protective you know, function. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was interesting, right? Like as like to reframe something that's so highly, pathologized as what if that's just a case of not getting enough deep rest and it's different from actual like amount of sleep right the amount of time it's like the type the type of recovery the type yeah 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 i uh yeah i'm glad you brought that up that's that's a a helpful intention for me is is to create a state of deep rest which i i have in the past so it's familiar to me Mm. And it gives me like a, a roadmap I'm going to work towards. And it's already coming up to mind about all the stuff that I can take. Um, mm-hmm. to, uh, and, and it also helps, I think, just to not feel bad about it. Like not feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah, you know, like there's, there's like, it, it, does, it doesn't help to add more to the suffering when we're like, oh no, there's something wrong with me. You know, I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be able to whatever, you know, produce or perform a certain way. And I think the the analogy that came up as I was having this conversation with my wife was like, imagine it was like puberty. Like if puberty was seen as a, like a disease mm-hmm. and someone's trying to resist it when they're going through it, it's like, Oh, it's so uncomfortable at times. And, but it's a stage, you know, we've, we've normalized it. Like it's just a normal developmental thing. And what if we did something similar with these, these kind of mental illnesses and in, in air quotes, right? Like what if some of them were actually not seen as a, like a problem, you know, but, but these are normal human experiences and, and, and that acceptance, like part of it is kind of that normalization would help somebody go through it. Like, okay, this, this too shall pass, but also it's not wrong. What's happening to me isn't something that's like, like fundamentally flawed with whatever, right. Their brain or their body, like, mm-hmm. you know, without overgeneralizing, but I think that would be a helpful, you know, reframing. Mm-hmm. Completely. Completely. Um, so let's, Let's bring this recorded part to a close. Mm-hmm. Okay.
curious for each of us to just take a moment to reflect on, I think we've been talking for like an hour. Yeah, an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> wow. No, I know hours a lot more. This literally feels like we talked for 20 minutes to me. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's take a moment to reflect on um, just something from this last hour. Let's hit home. Or that's going to percolate in our mind, each of our minds over the next couple of days. For me, it's, it's deep rest. And it could be the recent part of what we've talked about is that and, and realizing that I haven't uh, been acting more like a military general versus an artist mm. uh, in different parts of my life, not just business. You yeah, probably with my meditation practice. <laughs> my practice. <laughs> yeah, those those and those two things are related. Um, mm. One of the many things that I'm gonna sit with, and it's gonna it's gonna grow in interesting ways. I think. Yeah, I I think for me, it's it's all of that discussion about reimagining. You know what life can look like, you know, whether it's home life, work life, all of it and, and staying open. You know, I think that's, I like these exercises because we get to throw things out there without consequence, but also remaining, you know, keeping that, uh, that spirit of openness, being fluid. Um, yeah. Like this is this, that's the, the silver lining that I constantly kind of go back to is like, Oh, we're kind of forced to, re- you know, reimagine now and, let's use that opportunity. Let's stay open rather than, you know, closing too quickly, right? Trying to narrow the imagination. It's like, let's keep that open and mm. not go right to conclusions or, or, you know, hard truths here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. It's a great way to end this. And you might even call this conversation around something around openness. Uh, and this idea that like year zero this is a key ingredient. This is this is a time to be open. Um, such a powerful reminder. <laughs>